This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player. This is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all-time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome, everybody. Good afternoon. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast. It is episode 42. I can't believe we're at episode 42 already. Sponsored by the great people at Bet Rivers. Don't forget to download the Bet Rivers app. You got some big games coming up this weekend. That Bet Rivers app down on your phone. Make some plays. I didn't do so well last week, but I'm getting ready to rebound. This podcast is going to be really special. I've been waiting for this for a really long time. It's so special that we're only going to do the interview with our next guest. And, of course, it's been, it's been getting Twitter acclaim when I advertise this. He's a guy that uh, I've known forever. We're like brothers. We worked in the business for a really long time. We did a show together, which a lot of people forget. It was like one of the most memorable, successful shows of all time on uh, WIP radio station. He, of course, is the great cuz, Anthony Gargano. What's up, brother? Hey, what's going <laughs> on, my brother? Miss you, buddy. That's my main day. Uh, Mikey miss you. <laughs> uh, miss you too, man. And uh, listen, uh, this is a great time to talk. I want to talk about sports and life as well. But let, let's let's start out right now with where we are as a Philadelphia sports city. And of course the Eagles going into the playoffs, they get the bye, and they, and they get the most favorite. I gotta be honest. The most favorable matchup they could get is the matchup. They got uh, the giants look really good, but it's really hard to, for me to believe that a team who's really not that great is going to play great two weeks in a row, especially on the road. And especially as a 7.5 underdog. So how are you looking at this Eagle giant matchup coming up this Saturday? Yeah, I, I agree, Mikey. And here's the other thing. I, I think that Giants win gets distorted a little bit because of Minnesota's defense. Minnesota's defense is not good, all right? And the Giants, they had their way. I mean, that's not a down-the-field passing team, and they were able to go down the field on them. They had to play seven guys in the box, or they had to go to the light box. And and the Giants controlled the clock. They controlled possessions. They did whatever they could. And the Vikings could do nothing. It was amazing. So I think, are the Giants better than when they when they lost to the Eagles 48-22? Yeah. Uh, you know, they're healthier. They got some players back along both the offensive and defensive line. But I'm with you, brother. I, I mean, look, Giants, good team, great coach and Dable. They're not ready to win. They're not ready to go to an NFC championship game. And I think the Eagles are good. I think the Eagles have been undersold all year long. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I mean, a line at seven and a half really got my attention right away because you know, yeah, no, really, people in Vegas are smart, and I, I thought, okay, the Giants were going to get some acclaim for the way they played. It would be four and a half, five. When it started at seven and a half, I go, oh, well, this is like ridiculous. So uh, here's the thing: the Giants. There, there are two factors in this game, and obviously, it's the health of the quarterback and the health of the right tackle. Uh, and, and on the other side, it, the Giants do a, a couple of things well that the Eagles don't do well. They they rush the football, and the quarterback rushes the football, and the Eagles have been susceptible to both of those things this year. So you, you got to look at, at the at the matchup and see what she's going to win out here. So so how can like the average fan look at it and go, you know, the Giants are really hot. They do a couple of things the Eagles don't stop. 
Yeah, except, you know what? Ever since the Eagles got Linville Joseph and Indomitian Sue, I, I thought they really buttoned up their run defense. They play a five-man front, and, you know, the kid's back, too. I mean, you got, you know, you got the big boy coming back, too. So that rotation is so deep with their defensive tackles. So I think they're well handled. I, I think personnel-wise, they're in a good place defensively. My only worry comes with Jonathan Gannon. And I think with if you're going to play the Giants, you got to play press coverage. And you got to make Daniel Jones beat you with his arm. You got to spy him because you saw what he did to the Vikings. He can he can get yards with his legs. He can make big plays with his legs. So you know what? Look at your receivers. Hodgins, you know, Slayton. Uh, did they strike Richie James? Did they strike fear? That's where and you got the corners to do it. You got two corners that are excellent, right? It's Slay and Bradbury. This is where Gannon, I, I gotta tell you, we're gonna learn a lot about Gannon. Now he may get a job, but as a coordinator, he has to play press. You gotta crowd the line of scrimmage against that team. Yeah, he's the, he's not a press guy though, and, and that's the yeah. thing that people worry about. And especially uh, because their top corner has really been lackluster lately. I don't know what happened to Darius Slay, but he hasn't been uh, great uh, lately. So uh, I think it's the safety play, cause I yeah. mean, when they lost, when they lost CJ, right? That's a big loss for him. And I think he was hurt by the safety play in front of him. I think one, that one play was on the kid, and it affected him. So you're going to get Chauncey, you know, back. He's going to be playing the slot corner, I think, because Maddox is going to play. So I think he'll be there. But I, I think Slay will be all right. I'm not as worried about Slay in this situation where I'm more worried about Barkley. And I'm worried about them giving up cheap yards because, you know, Dable's a great coach, great offensive mind. And what he's going to try to do is get cheap yards, right? He's going to try to get first downs. He knows they have very little big strike capability. So he's going to want to hold on to the football, shorten the game. That's what he's going to want to do. And if you're if you're Gannon, you can't have a situation like they did against the Saints, where the Saints held the ball for nine minutes in the first quarter. That Eagles offense is good, even with Jalen being hurt. They're a good team, a good offense. You, they got to get on the field. They they are, uh, but you know, let's look at at it fairly. Uh, two games of Minshew, where uh, I mean, he played the one game they scored a lot of points. The next game he was garbage, uh, and then Jalen comes back, and it, he was obviously hurting. Uh, the only factor for me is can can they do the same things with that quarterback that they've done all year, and will he be willing to do it? Yeah, I, I think he'll be willing to. Uh, whether you want to do it or not is another story. Because I mean, you know, Mikey, like one of the things that's so hard to stop when they were rolling, right? And this is the only thing that scares me as far as a postseason run. Earlier in the season, they were a machine, man. They were rolling. They were scoring it well. When they beat the Giants 48, I mean, that team, they put up 48 on them. Mm -hmm. They were rolling. And one of the reasons why is the RPRs, not just the RPO, but the run-pass-run options with Jalen makes him so Mm -hmm. hard to stop, right? Because he runs like a running back. And if not, he pulls it back. He can go to Sanders. And he's got two great receivers and a great tight end. So that offense is tremendous. Now, to your point, I just don't know how the Syrian said today that he felt like he should go through the whole practice. So that was a good sign. But to your point, I, I don't I don't want to risk running a lot of those RPRs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to play San Francisco, and I'm going to yeah. That's what I'm play. saying. Will they will they call the game the same way with abandon? Because he's so much like when he carries the football, he's so much a part of their success. Yeah, I you know, and that's. I think you you got to play it by feel. I think you got to go out. You got to see what he's got. You got to test the shoulder, test the arm, see what you got. But you know, I know you got to live to play San Francisco. But I got one eye on the Niners too. I mean, I I I have to have Jalen. I got to have him because if he's hurt, there's no chance. Yeah, yeah I, 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 not Foles. I totally agree. I I think that they'll be able to handle the Giants and. Whether they're going to be handled by seven and a half points, I, I, I the San Francisco game is the one that's that's looming. So yeah, I, I agree. So um, try you know you're you're doing sports talk radio every day. Uh, tr- give me the gauge of the city right now and how fans feel about it, because I you know it's funny because 
fans of Philadelphia just want to take the littlest excuse to feel down about stuff. And so the first shoe that fell was the Jalen injured. And then it was the Elaine Johnson thing. And it was Miles Sanders is banged up. And it, it was this and that, the Maddox and, and the whole bit. And then on top of that, the Giants look really good. What, how do you gauge the fans right now, what they feel about it? You know, what's interesting. So I think they're a little more in belief. I agree with you. There is a sector of the fan base, and I do think it's generational. I think the older fan is more the fatalistic fan, and the younger fan has more of the unbridled, and I'm going to lay it on the line. I think they're good. Super Bowl. This is going on. And, and listen, it's a product of what you experience, right? I mean, you know, the younger fan – they know a Super Bowl. The older fan goes, we ain't seen anything, right? So we're all quicker. So I think it's generational. And I find, and you know better than anybody, you built 97.5 The Fanatic. You know that's always going to skew younger. Yeah, uh, I, I I totally agree. But, you know, it's funny because uh, yeah, I look at social media during the game and you know, I'll do a post-game show. And uh, it, it's like the least little thing. It's like, oh, my God, look at Daniel Jones now. There's no way they can stop him because they can't stop running quarterbacks. <laughs> it's like they want to talk themselves into fatalism before fatalism even creeps around the corner. Yeah, well, you know, we've always spelled fatalism with a PH. Man, that's always been, <laughs> you know, kind of who we are, I, you know. It's almost DNA goes back to the Quakers, you know, in, in this, in this. <laughs> I, listen, I, they're 14 and three. I, it was a weird season because there was, there was not the rah, rah. Like I remember, Oh, we, you know, we played the anniversary of the Rams championship game. And remember when we were doing the show back at uh, WIP and it was, you know, the early parts of Andy and they were going to the championship game. The uh, crowd was, the fans were wild. Yeah. Now, is that product of that we had never gotten a Super Bowl and now we have one? But it was met with a lot more fanfare. I agree with you. I think people are more guarded now. Yeah, they're definitely guarded. Uh, and, and what I would say to them is, you know, they, they don't be guarded against this team. I mean, they're better than this team coming in. So whether they cover or not, they're, they're going to advance, and then you worry about San Francisco. Uh, yeah, they're a whole other – they're a monster. So they're a yeah. whole other – you want to worry, you worry next week because that seems yeah. good. Exactly. All right, let's 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 talk a little bit about uh, what I really want to talk about because I've done some – a couple of interviews that did one with Angelo, and uh, I, I, like to, I like to go back in time on how this whole thing that we were involved in evolved. And uh, – and and you came in uh, like kind of uh, in the in between time of Angelo and I, but we, you know a lot of people don't remember that we worked together for uh, a, and had a really successful show. It's funny because it was brief, but it was one of the most successful shows they ever had at, at WIP. And then like things like I, I ventured off into various uh, other areas. Uh, but like that, the backstory of you in the radio is really interesting to me because we were both in the same boat. We both um, came into the business as, as journalists and writers, and we were both passionate about writing. And all of a sudden, this phenomenon of sports talk radio comes in. And um, I, I went to it because I was kind of frustrated with newspaper work and I had a law degree. and I didn't really know what I wanted to do, and I wanted to try something different. Um, you got into it in a different way. You were really a serious writer, journalist, and and you wanted to be that. And, and all of a sudden, Sports Talk Radio beckons for you. And uh, and, and we had a conversation about it. I mean, it, it's funny. We were you talking about for drinks. Yeah, we went, out, we went out for drinks. And it was at, at, at Bennigan's there in Sydney Light Avenue. And, and I remember you telling me that you had gotten an offer to go into Sports Talk Radio. Uh, and, and, uh, so we sat there and we had drinks. Like, what do you remember about that conversation and why you finally made that move? Well, I, you know, I remember asking you like, Hey, sit down. I got to pick your brain about this whole thing. And, and it, it was bothersome because I, I didn't want to go. I mean, quite frankly, I, you know, I loved what I did. I, I brought it up today because they were playing New York and I started at the New York post and uh, my first big job. And I loved that job. I loved traveling. The, I traveled 300 nights a year. 
I'd sit down, I'd write 5,000 word, you know, Sunday pieces. Like, I love that. And then I come to the Inquirer because I really wanted to be a foreign correspondent. And uh, of course, one of our mutual friends, Robert Rosenthal, who was the editor of the Inquirer, who was an amazing foreign correspondent himself. He was captured. He was a great journalist. Yeah, he really and was. I loved him. He was the best, Rosie, wasn't he, man? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. So he I was a pretty good softball player. You know, you would, ne- you would never think it. Like, when I saw him, it's funny, because the Inquirer had a softball team. When, when I was there, before you got there. And we were good. We had a really good team. South Powell's on that team. And, and all of a sudden, uh, like, Rosie shows up at, 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 like, workouts on a Saturday. And I go, look at this guy. He, had, he was dressed like he was, like, going to work. He had a, like an ascot on, and right? And I'm, I'm like, I'm an old ball player. I go, what, what is this guy? And he's just roping line drives. I go, wow, this guy can really play. But anyway, I got off the point. He was a serious, serious journalist. He was. He was amazing. I had gone to the New York. I had an interview with the New York Times, and they said that before they could hire me, that that I had to be cleansed because you know the difference. Not a lot of people understand the difference between a broadsheet and a tabloid. All a tabloid is, is it like the daily news where you, you open it. Broadsheet is the big fold paper. And so I had to go and get cleansed. And so, you know, I go and get the job at the Inquirer, come home. And I love Philadelphia. Like as much as I love New York and like, it's interesting that contemporaries are all, like I go, I'm an idiot because I should have stayed. And I would be like Schefter with millions of followers and all this other <laughs> stuff. Uh, I mean, I, Shefty um, w- was, you know, buddy of mine back then. And we worked, we covered the NFL together. Uh, all my baseball guys, Buster Olney, Kenny Rosenthal. I mean, you know, these are all guys I cover ball with. Uh, Woj, you know, I was close with Woj. And so, but I love Philadelphia. Ah, oh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Philadelphia. I love Philly. Philly, Philly, Philly loved it. I want to come home. And so anyway, I'm at the Inquirer and Tom Bigby. I do a fill-in with Glenn and Jody was off. And I do the fill-in for the week and they offered a job. And I I was like, oh, man. And, of course, everybody's like, you got to take it, you got to take it, you got to take it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's what, the newspapers get paid dirt anyway. You know that. Yeah. yeah. And by we the were, way, we were all also, like – It's funny because we were, we were all – we all loved – the printed word. We all yeah. got grew up and and worshipped it, and the Inquirer made us feel like we should worship it. Uh, and yet, we were looking at our paychecks, going, "Oh man, we're, we 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 got to make some money in this world, right?" Yeah, exactly. And, no, that's exactly right. And that's what you said. You said to me, and I remember the conversation. And you said, "Listen, you know, the the writing piece of it will never go away. Like that's a skill that you have." And you'll always be able to write. You may not always be able to make this kind of paycheck when you're getting into, you know, comp- comparatively speaking. I mean, you know, it was not compared to newspapers where it really is nothing. And you're like, listen, you know, hold on to the skill. And the worst comes the worst. You'll always be able to write. It's not like, you know, you try it and, and you thought it would work. You said, you know, I think. Yeah, I thought I thought you were really you were really perfect for it to, to come in. I really wanted you to come in because let's face it, you you were Philadelphia, and that's what Sports Talk Radio was. And Sports Talk Radio, when it's best, is is just very regional, and and uh, uh, people live their lives through it. So, like, I don't think it works on a national level as much as it works on, on a local level. But before you even got to the the post. And and like I always say, the cover and the 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 hardest job for anybody to cover is a, a baseball beat, and and you did that. But you started like it's funny because <laughs> I just tell the story of how we met in the first place, and then I'll go through your career because you went to Chicago before you went to New York. Yeah. So the so you know I was like like I think we're very similar. Like we grew up, we loved sports, loved playing sports athletes loved the games you know and we both loved the the word and so i always knew i wanted to do it and you had to build if you remember you had to build a clip file and a clip file is basically bylines and it was back then i used to spend hundreds of dollars on copies like mimeographs back then that's what it was (laughs) and you would put together your clip file and you're constantly updating your clip file so I would freelance and I would, you know, I would write for anybody. I call people, 
I would. Yeah, you went to you went to Temple, and at that point, yeah. like it's different than it is now because anybody can start a blog and, and like yeah. But no. you had to really earn a job somewhere. Yeah, there was you. You remember this thing? There was a book. It was the Associated Press APSE book of yeah. sports editors, right? And it listed yeah. oh, their yeah. phone numbers, right? And I would go through the phone numbers and call. Hey, would you want me to cover a game? So anyway, long story short, I'm covering a basketball game, the A10 tournament. And I was covering it for a paper in Massachusetts. And back then, this is pre-internet, you would send your story through these toggles. What was it called? The couple it was a Radio Shack com- little computer that had a screen that was two by six. Two inches by six. So your copy would actually print out on the screen. But you couldn't read the entire copy. It was like you were doing three lines at a time. And it, it was that this is what like they first came into the electronic era. And you would send your story back by these couplers that you would hook up to a telephone. And uh, I was confused by it. So much less somebody coming in knew. I, and I like, that was my regular tool. And I was still didn't know how to do it. And you, you're covering the, tour, the NCAA tournament at the Meadowlands. And you're completely clueless on how to send your story back. Oh, to you got extra <laughs> so I, I go and introduce myself to him. And Mike Missinelli. <laughs> and he goes, yeah. I go, I'm Anthony. I'm from Philly. Blah, blah, blah. Help me out, man. I got to send my story. <laughs> you got the story blah, written, blah, blah. but you don't know how to send it. And you're on deadline. No and you're waiting. Yeah. <laughs> and they're waiting for and your I'm story. And, and just like you, like you go, okay, I'll take the job. But you wouldn't t- like to think of that. Okay, then how will I file the story? It was okay for you to just have the job. That was good enough. You'll figure it out later, right? That was the beauty of you. That's <laughs> like, listen, you're doing that with you're doing that with wine. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So you, uh, like, okay, you wrote the story. You, you go, you covered a game. You got all the steps down. You covered a game. You write the story. But you don't know how to send. <laughs> it's beautiful. No so idea. I'm there. I'm there. So I'm there. I go. Okay, man. This is the, what time's your deadline? You go. Uh, uh, okay, are you here? You put your phone here. So that's the first time we met. Now you were like back then. You were tattooed up. You were ear ringed up. You were like, like, so like, but you were a Philly guy. And I'm like, I go, hey, I want to help this dude because he's like, earn. He's like, he's really excited to do it and earnest about it. Yeah, and that's what impressed yeah. me about you. So, so that's how we first met. So, so then you take a job in Chicago, and what the. <laughs> because you go like you're a fish out of water you're out of philly but you, you go to chicago and you move into a place and i know your family history i know how lovely your mom was and how you like you, you were her little anthony and a whole bit and you go to chicago and you just set up shop you like buy a beanbag chair that's all you freaking had you were like de niro in heat I mean, excuse me, Val. Like he, like he had this apartment. He had one beanbag chair. That's what that's what you had. I mean, you, know, <laughs> you go to Chicago and you start your journalistic career, and and it's beautiful. And somehow, you get an interview with Michael Jordan. Now, see, only you could do that because you. Well, this was get- later. This was later. Oh, okay. and right, Jordan later. was with the Post. So I I had befriended Jordan. Well, he liked. Oh, uh, okay. So we were in Chicago. Befriend, like you befriended him. Yeah, like he like like when okay. I was in Chicago, he used to get a kick out of it because I'd walk in, <laughs> oh my, you know. Yeah, because you you would wear a tank top and yeah. you're tatted up and you had you had earrings all over the place, and he never saw anything like that. I mean, you're a Philly hardcore guy. So you walk in, so he could he attaches with you. So years later you go to the post and you go, okay, I got in there with Jordan, and you were gonna do a feature story on Michael Jordan. Uh, this is like an ultimate assignment. And it's a big time thing because you're at the New York Post. Now, as far as I can remember the story, you show up. Jordan was a big time golfer, which meant he was a member of exclusive clubs. And somehow he agrees to do a story with you. It's a beautiful story. It was really easy. Just meet me at the the golf club. And I go to the golf club. It's, you know, exclusive, the whole thing. Now I'm not a golfer, as you know. And... um, it was hot, you know, it's Chicago, right? So it's summertime, whatever it was, and it's hot. And um, I figured, well, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride around with him, you know. Well, I, you know, I wasn't gonna play. It's a perfect around. way to do a story. You're riding around a golf cart with him. You, so you, 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 you can really get to know a guy on a golf course, and here you are riding in a golf cart with Michael Jordan. Yeah. It's and then, I, of course, I was wearing a uh, tank top. You had a tank top. 
So I had to go buy and tank top and shorts as you walk into this exclusive. Yeah, so I, I had a, I, I, well, first of all, he, he takes a look at you and says, what? Go, go buy a shirt. You know, he, <laughs> he first, he starts laughing, right? And <laughs> so he starts laughing and, you know, there was a bunch of dudes and whatever. I don't mind being like, I'm just like, whatever. I'm like, oh, it's cool. So he goes, cool, you got to go buy a shirt. Go in, go in, a, in the uh, pro shop and get a shirt. So. I go into the pro shop and I still, I expensed that shirt. The shirt was like two, two and a quarter of for the stop shirt. Of course it was. And I, so I put on my Amex card that goes to the post and I go, by the way, so my boss was ripping me like, what do you mean you wore a tank top, dude? Like, don't you know better? I was like, I don't know. It's hot out. Whatever. This is like, I'm, I'm also 24 years old. So. 25 maybe i mean i'm young so oh, yeah that's such a beautiful story and, yeah. and but but see a guy like jordan like, like looks at that and goes like you're not the average douchebag who wants to interview me right you're like kind of you have a soul to you so you probably got a really good story out of that yeah i wrote it it was great um i loved it i i i still love that stuff like just kind of i sat with pat riley uh at his house i, I did Man, Dan Marino, I, all those people at that time, whoever the big names were, I got to go sit down with them. And yeah, that was Barry the best Sanders, part. Follow Barry Sanders yeah. around. You that know, was you know, absolutely the, the best part of journalism where you could spend oh some my God, time you get with the subject and, and you had the freedom to do it. Yeah. And now, now it's not the same, but they would say, hey, it's been a couple of days and, 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 do, and get to know a guy. And that's what Especially made the post. Our yeah. budget, our sports travel budget was like $9 million a year for the whole staff. That's amazing. I, I mean, I would travel everywhere. I would go. I mean, I'll never forget. He goes, "Where?" my boss goes, where are you at? I go, I'm in uh, L.A. Oh, yeah? He goes, well, you know, go to go to Seattle. I want to read about about Dick Griffey. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It was great. And so newspapers have money to burn back then. I, I tell people stories. They, they can't believe it. They go, I remember, I tell the story all the time. Kenny Anderson played for Georgia Tech from the Bronx. And he was like the national sensation. And they, and they tell me uh, uh, like the night before, go to, uh, go to Georgia, uh, Atlanta tomorrow, do a, do a feature on Kenny Anderson. And we'll, like, you hop on a plane at seven o'clock, you get to Atlanta, you meet with Kenny Anderson for a couple hours and you, you, you ferret out as much information as you can. You get back on the plane, you write a feature story and you had two days to get it going. And, and it was fantastic. It was the best of journalism because you spend some time to get to know somebody and really put some thought into a piece that you think that people are really going to like. That was the so, essence of what I liked about journalism. Uh, you, you're so right. So it's funny. I, I mentioned so I'm trying to get Eli Manning for the show, right? So I when Peyton was at Tennessee, I go to I go to to uh to Knoxville for I was there for two weeks. I stayed at this Marriott Suites, right, in Knoxville. And I got I go, I show up, right? I talk to Peyton and he goes, Wow, you're from New York. I go, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He go, I go, I want to hang out with you for like a week or two. All right. Like I went to class with him. I did like literally See, that's the best. it was it was awesome and then the following year I, I'm at covering I'm doing a story on a camp he's at Colts camp so I come walking up you know and the good thing about having the earrings when you stood out right like I, I oh, wasn't yeah. trying to do that but it worked and he, <laughs> Peyton goes Anthony what's going on man he goes what are you doing here like, oh, I'm here to see you I'm going to do a story on you he was a rookie for the Colts yeah, he was the best. Like yeah. then Archie, you know, I and mean, they were great people. I love those people. Yeah, you had you had that effect on people where they remembered you. It was great, and uh, and so now uh, you get to the post, and they and they give you the, you know again this baseball beat. I, I I'm so envious of people who've done it, and you did it at such a high level. Like the Mets covering the Mets is one thing, covering the baseball team is one thing. You covered that team that was fucking crazy. And you're yeah. not talking Daryl Strawberry era New York Mets, Bobby Valentine craziness, uh, uh, Todd uh, uh, the catcher, uh, Todd Hundley, and and and, and John Gooden. Franco and Gooden and all those guys, and 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 that was like it was like controversy. Like it's one thing being a beat writer; it's another thing when there are stories on top of stories, which would which would you were covering with the Mets at that time. So how did you handle that? 
you know, I was, I was pretty young and I, and I, I probably didn't handle it the right way. Uh, if I'm going to be truthful, when it comes to the journalistic standpoint, I, I, you know, I almost viewed it. This is, this is not good, but I'm going to tell the story. I, I viewed it almost like I don't want to be a rat, right? Like I didn't yeah, want to. Because it, listen, this is in your nature. Like the last thing, like you grew up in South Philly and it's in green. You, you don't be a rat. And so here you are covering a team where there's cocaine abuse and all this other stuff that you know about, right? And, and But you couldn't betray the trust of guys that were giving you information on the other side. This is why it's so difficult to be a beat writer. Yeah, I, I, I didn't like that piece of it. I loved – my favorite was doing features and stuff like that. That was what my calling was better, where I would get to know people – the the you're right. I mean, that Mets team was a mess. And I did know about a lot of stuff. I remember my boss saying to me, he's like, his name was Greg Gallo. He was like this, you know, epitome of a New York newspaper man, thick Spider-Man. Who's the character? Mr. from Spider-Man. Who is the, who is the. I don't the even know. I, you got it. <laughs> you, I'm not you a know, Spidey Dutch. guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But hey, Darren, what's his name? Darren, Darren, our producer, Darren. The, 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 the newspaper that guy. Oh, uh, J. Jonah Jameson. Yes. yes. J. Jonah Jameson. Jonah Jameson. Right. So, you know, it's like this, you know, it's like this, yeah, what are you doing, kid? In fact, he used to get, he would read my copy and he'd go, take your pink panties off when you're right. What's the matter with your adjectives? You got to go over with the adjectives again. And so he, you know, he was the post, like they won the Blair headlines. And he's like, I know you know stuff going on with the Mets, with the mutts. He goes, you better write it. And I go, I'm, I'm giving exactly what, you know, what was going on. I mean, I was in the middle of it. Like, I mean, oh, my yeah, God. See, here's the, the thing. Place. A guy like you, you uh, you understand that even though Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Gooden have demons, they're cool. And you respect cool, right? So, so that, that, that was one of the whole things. Now, conversely, Bobby Valentine was uncool. Correct. And so therefore you you like looked at him with the jauntest eye as the manager. So tell the story about you almost coming to blows with him. I always tell this story, like if I covered Nick Saban, I'd be in a fight with that motherfucker every day. Right? <laughs> and so I assume the same thing was with you and Valentine. Yeah, he, he was a manipulative guy, very manipulative. And I'll never forget there was a guy I loved him, Tom McCraw. Old time baseball guy, right? Tommy, yeah. Tommy Mack, yeah, yeah. Tommy Mack was, Dallas Green, was yeah, yeah, he was coach, Tommy yeah. was uh, Dallas Green's hitting coach, and I love Tommy Mack. I, I got to be honest, I love them. Like we, you know, I go around. I love those old baseball dudes, right? Like yeah. Charlie's. One of the reasons why I hope to get Charlie and I get along so well is like he just is. Those there's, there's an innocence about those guys. Like they yep. just love the game. They love mm-hmm. baseball. So. Uh, Bobby V fires Tommy Mack and says, you know, I caught him drinking moonshine on the bench and this and that. I mean, dude, why you got it? Why you got He's got it. They basically insinuated that he had a drinking problem or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, dude, first of all, why are you putting that out there? Like, you don't need to do that. And like, we got into a beef and Tommy got hooked up with the Astros. So Tom's in town and, you know, I hear the whole story and, you know, it that oh, so I I tell I tell McCraw, I tell Tommy. So <laughs> the Bobby V goes around and goes, Did anybody speak to Tom McCraw today? And I went, Yep, I did. <laughs> and then he looks at me and then went, hey, what did you say to him? I said, I told him what you said. I said, It's my main man. What do you mean he's your friend? There's no friends in this business. I go, I love Tom McCraw. Oh, we got in this argument. We were we we go outside. Oh, so then who was Franco says, yo, cuz there's a Franklin in it if you dot his eye. <laughs> and that's John Franco, who is co Italian, Italian is New York Italian. And yeah. you obviously you're bonded with him. Oh, and so so they hated they hated Valentine, the whole team. Yeah. Uh, which is not uncommon for a guy like that. Uh, and so he offers you a hundred to dot his eye, and you 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 actually like square up with Valentine. Oh, we were like, you know, like I'm dying. <laughs> we were like, I'll fight you. Like, what, what, what yeah. do you do? <laughs> like I'm afraid of you. 
right? <laughs> you know, when we go outside and and uh, we're in Shea Stadium, the outside the clubhouse, screaming at each other, who walks by? Todd, um, uh, Craig Biggio, and Ken Caminiti. Remember those dudes from the, yeah, from from the, the Astros? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they walk by, they're laughing and this and that. So later on, I walk in the Astros clubhouse. And they're going, oh, this is the guy almost knocked out Bobby Because <laughs> he was universal. Yeah, everybody, everybody hated Valentine. <laughs> and then, you know, it's funny because then Tommy, Tommy Lasorda said, yo, I like Tommy a lot, yeah, right? Yeah. And Tommy was like, dude, what, what are you doing? Like, Bobby V's one of us. Like, you can't, uh, yeah. you can't go at him like that. Yeah. And I went, well, he was being disrespectful. Whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but back then, Mikey, you know, it was a different time too. The, the, like those guys, those baseball writers and all, who's uh-huh. fighting, rolling on the ground. Yeah. It was insanity. Yeah, I mean, it, it, how about them? Yeah. How about Bill Connell and those guys? They were fight, fist fighting the elevator and all. Yeah, well, yeah, he and Harry, he punched Harry Callis out uh, in the elevator. I mean, uh, yeah, no, that's why I say, like, baseball uh, is why you should write a book about the, just covering baseball. It's like, it's amazing. It's an amazing thing. So, like, just the last question, like, how uh, you have a beef with Valentine, you got to cover him. And, uh, I, and now writers today tread so gingerly around that because they got to have access and, they, and it, the whole thing has changed. But how did you approach that after that with having to cover the guy? Yeah, but luckily, in fairness, I mean, I got off the beat pretty quickly after that because they were so bad. And uh, they, my boss said to me, hey, you, I want you to write features and cover boxing. Okay. That's when I got close with, with Tyson and uh-huh. and uh, I went to I Pet the Tiger. I was at the house in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anthony, Anthony. Yeah, yeah, you got close with Tyson. <laughs> I love Tyson. Tyson was awesome. Yeah, that's great. Um, um, yeah, you know but, but, but I but I didn't go. You know, Bobby V was like, whatever, dude. Like we would be cold. In fairness, today, like I couldn't do that. That job today is hard, man. Just all the social media. You're not writing. Like the the what we did was a meld between reporting and writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like the writing aspect better. And today, yeah, all no, I do is report. You, you absolutely you did. Uh, you know, let's move ahead to Sports Talk Radio because, uh, you know, we both have had long careers in it and uh, and you're still doing it. And uh, we took different approaches to do Sports Talk Radio. But uh, I always look at the show that we did together, which was kind of like it happened by accident. And if you look, the history of it was that uh, I really wanted you to come to, to uh, WPEN from WIP. And, and finally you did. And uh, I was doing evening driving at the time. I think I was still working with Steve Fredericks and they, they changed it up and tried to put me with Eskin. And, uh, and then when they realized it wasn't working out because we, we hated each other and I just, I just couldn't. And, and you knew every day that I was suffering with it because I just couldn't understand like how the guy wouldn't ha- understand the concept of how to do a show as a team instead of an individual. Uh, and finally, wait, wait, I gotta tell the one story. All right, I, <laughs> I, I, I would walk in the in because we did a crossover or whatever, right? And yeah. Then I would walk in, I'd hang around, and I would talk to Mike, and I'd walk in the studio, and Mike would have the newspaper, and he would be like on one side like this. <laughs> Eskin would be on his phone, and Eskin would be over here, and they literally did a show back to back without looking at each other. It was yeah. the most bizarre thing. And then, like, I'd walk in and, well, you want genius? And then the next thing, Mike would go, like, he'd make the face go, what? This moron doesn't know <laughs> X, Y, and Z, whatever. Tell him. Yeah, like, it was, it was not him. a good. It, you oh. know, it, it got off to a bad start because a, I really, you know, I loved Steve, and and he was like a mentor of mine, and we got really close. And they they kind of dispatched him at, at the end of his career and threw him you know, to evenings and you know, threw me in with Eskin, which I didn't want to do, and because uh, I knew uh, that he just couldn't do a show with another person, and uh, so I went into it with a bad attitude, probably, and uh, <laughs> it didn't get any better. Uh, because and, and people thought that it was a good show because we hate each other. And, and at the end of the day, it's not a good show when guys can't blend together because you have to kind of like it's a give and take, and you have to kind of play off somebody and make it entertaining. And he had no concept of that. So anyway, 
uh, the, the dynamic changes and they realized that he can only do a show by himself. So they put us together. It was a hard transition for me at first being an evening drive guy, but we, we really had a good show. It, it, it lasted briefly for uh, reasons that are, uh, well, I just think because of, uh, I got a job. Yeah. WMMR came in and gave me a job. And the, the story of the show was like, they were paying me evening drive money. And now I was on midday. And they didn't want to give me a new contract. So basically, I was working on an old contract, and I was a, I was a free agent. So MMR kind of swooped in, and I didn't have any restrictions at all. And I took their offer, and that's why I left. But we we, we I were, was crushed. We, I, I, I know, and I was crushed, too. I didn't really want to leave. It was like the lure of bigger salary was just too much for me to turn down. But we had set, like, numbers records for a midday. So, like, why do you think that we had such a great blend? Well, easy. And you said it about the relationship. The radio is the sum of all parts, right? You know, it's what comes out of your speaker is its own organism. And it's created by the two people and the producer that's there. So it's something I've always told these program directors. It's impossible to understand chemistry, right? Like chemistry just has to happen. And in our case, we had, I I thought, an incredible chemistry because it was very brotherly. So the familial aspect, I thought, worked really well. You know, the fact that, you know, you you were like my older brother. We would hang out, have drinks together. You know, there was no competition. Like, you and Eskin were, were competitive, right? Like, so you would compete for the same kind of status or stature. Mm-hmm. Whereas there was no competition with us. It was just we were having conversations and we genuinely enjoyed one another's company. And, you know, so it wasn't like going to work. It was like hanging out with your buddy, but there's a microphone there. And it was like I didn't have to feel, I never forget, I at that point I was like leading a show is a big deal when you haven't done it. Like when you're the lead, and then you would be like, listen, do it do it once a week or do it because you always led. And I just was there and, you know, whatever. We'd have our conversations, talk sports, talk life. And our what also worked was, you know, we were able to talk about life, right? Really fun conversations. So the audience knew that we were sports heads. So you come to sports ready for sports, but it has to be somewhat entertaining. And so you just can't talk, you know, batting averages every day, right? So, you know, there are times when, there's nothing going on. And we would talk, we would have these conversations about books, movies, you know, whatever, TV shows, drinking, you know, food, you know, all all women, like whatever, whatever. And it was this guy talk thing, which yeah, you had already yeah. mastered. Yeah, because I thought that was the essence of, of what radio, to be really successful, you just couldn't talk about X and O's. And it's funny because kids come up today and they think because they know sports, they can make a good show. But it's so much more than that at Sports Talk Radio because you're entertaining people for four hours. So you got to talk about things that they also relate to and talk about, even if it's something as simple and fundamental because we share the same thing. We have an Italian heritage. And in Italian heritage, it's very strange because they talk about very strange things. Now, we we have evolved past the old school Italian, but the old school Italians would get a conversation out of a freaking piece of meat. Like they like go, they get to a butcher's. It's a beautiful piece of veal. Like, you know, it, it would fascinate me. Like that that's what the, what a conversation would be. And so we would we would look back at those kind of things and try to make it into a modern day world. Like this is how we grew up with people that were so simplistic that they were thrilled by a really good cut of meat that the butcher carved out. Right. And so we, we would turn that into an hour conversation. It, it was the greatest. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. I think back and sometimes I think it's in our DNA because I find myself, daddy, come here. I'm talking to the kids. Dad, come over here, dad. Look at this. Look at this Look piece at of this meat. Incredible dish I just made. And they're looking at it going, all right, like, whatever. No, and I will also channel in my grandmother, like, you you were great. I used to love your stories because you're great. You're, the females in, the, in your family were so doting on you. 
grandmother, yeah. mother, yeah. the whole bit. I, I didn't have that. Yeah, a cookie, the whole thing. Like they would iron your underwear. Oh my, oh, Anthony, yeah. you got to do like, like Anthony, doesn't, Anthony doesn't like this, so I had to cook special for him. Like, yeah. it, it used to crack me up because I used to get punished. Like I, I used to go, I don't like this sausage because it's got fennel in it. And they go, yeah, well, guess what? You're sitting there going to eat the freaking fennel. Like, you're not leaving the table. You go, oh, my God, no more fat off for Anthony. It makes him sick, right? It's true. It's classic. The differences from the South Philly and how you got doted on and how I, I grew up. But we were in the same Italian cocoon, and we would tell these stories. Like I would tell stories about my father was so frugal that he would fuse soap. Yeah, yeah, like that's the, the, the slivers of soap. Oh, the slivers different. of soap. Now, I was a younger school guy. I go, listen, when the soap gets to that thin layer, it has no more essence. I would try to explain to him, like, you can't fuse no essence and no essence to get essence, right? <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> that's a conversation cool. we would have, right? <laughs> but, you know, like, those are the conversa- conversations that we, we would I, have. I and, and here's what here's one of the best store shows we ever did. The NCAA tournament was on, and we're on midday. So, right, so the tournament has the games on midday, and we're in the studio and we're doing a show. And we go like the, the games are on. Nobody gives a fuck about what we want to say today, right? So let let's just talk about the games, and we'll react to the games like we're reacting like a bunch of guys at home. Go, oh, look at this, look at this team here. Oh, look at that shot. And and it was craziness that we did that for a whole show. Right? We turned that into a show. You know what that show was, Mike? That show was the seedling of the Manning cast. That basically yeah, it was. That's what it was. It was the Manning cast. We had Primos. Primos was in the beginning. I remember calling them. They came up. They dropped Primos off. In fact, Mark Rayfield came in and, and hung out with us. He did. Right. The general manager of the station was Mark Rayfield. He loved it. He was and, and, uh, yeah, he did. Uh, and he, he didn't know we were going to do it. And all of a sudden, he he figured out, well, you know what? This sounds pretty good. <laughs> so so that that's the way it rolled. Now, I remember there was just one uh, acrimonious, uh, not really acrimonious, but we went back and forth on it. And it was the T.O. issue. And I was, you were, you hated T.O. and what he did. And I like said the, the Eagles, like, how could they not figure out that this insane guy was going to do this? Like, that's that's the way I looked at it. Like, I took it at a different level. Like, when you hire an insane guy, how do you expect him not to be insane? So that was my beef for the whole thing, right? Yeah, no. As, as usual, you looked at it from uh, <laughs> a a really interesting perspective, really from fifty thousand feet, which was. You know, I, I think I was looking at more elemental, like, you know, dude, messing you up know, the you team, act like a goof, you ruin the whole season. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know, what are you doing? You know, you got to act right. But you're, you're. The point is correct. Like, you can't win against an insane person. You can't. <laughs> you just can't. So if you you're going to take on that risk, then you got to accommodate the risk. And that's where I thought they were wrong. And I remember us going back and forth on it. And it got, it got pretty heated, which was great because we could do that. And then like brothers at the end of a show hug. Now there were a couple of things I, I need to bring up because I, people remember this because it's brought up to me all the time. And, and you were working with me during uh, a couple of, uh, of really interesting times. One is where I got fired. But the, but the first thing was the David Akers thing. Now, we're doing the show together, and uh, I had this acerbic wit about me, and uh, the Daily News comes out when the Eagles win the game, and David Akers with a pulled hamstring kicks a 23-yard field goal to win it. Now, you, you might have thought, like, he he survived the the, the, the the most vivid battle in Afghanistan mountains after he kicked the field goal, right? And so it's like it's like when you say like these news anchors, like they, they do uh, like a, a cat in a tree and and it's like Vietnam, right? And like he went over and and the picture in the Daily News was him resting his weary head in the bosom of Donovan McNabb, right? And he kicked the 23 yard field goal, okay, with with a with a tweaked hamstring. I thought it was overblown a little bit, right? So so we do we do the show and I go off on it. And I think Jeremiah Trotter is listening to the show. He calls in about it 
And he was trying to stick up for Acres, which I found hard to believe. He's a linebacker, one of the toughest guys ever, and sticking up for Acres. And then somehow it gets translated to Acres that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm ridiculing him. And he calls into the show. Now, what was your recollection of that exchange? So remember, so I, I was, um, I was, I knew those guys really well, right? Because I was mm-hmm. also writing for Philadelphia Magazine. Mm-hmm. So I was embedded. I mean, you remember, Mike, I, I spent a lot of time behind the scenes with those guys. I was on the sidelines during the game, standing behind Butchie, behind Andy. Mm-hmm. Like I was writing these series of stories where I was like embedded with them. I was on the plane. I, I mean, I did a lot of stuff with those guys. So I knew those guys well. And so I'll never forget. Oh, this was classic. So Akers calls up. And they, like you know, like I love David. Like it was like whatever. It was what it yeah. was. Like, like I agree with Mike with kickers. Like whatever. Like <laughs> you know, the dude was a good dude. Whatever. Uh-huh. But it was funny because Mikey, Mikey goes at it, and hey, listen, Mikey's smart, right? So Mikey's gives him this in a way where he wasn't getting. It was going over his head, and he was getting mad. Oh my yeah. god! Uh, and then Mikey's Mikey's crushing him. Yo, dude, like we. we like, what are you going to do? Go, no, he go, says go. to me, I go, listen, listen, man. I just think you over embellished it. That's all. I like, I, you know. Look, you were playing Kiki. You go, what do you, you call yeah, him? Kiki boy? Kiki, yeah, Kiki boy. But the only because he came back at me saying, I'll kick your ass in any sport. Like, he got belligerent right. about it. Like, I'm just yeah. questioning yeah. his overreaction in, in comparison to real football players. Like, he went through hell to kick a field goal where he wasn't done. Like, I thought it was absurd. And, and see, he comes flashing at me trying to defend his athletic prowess. And that's where I go, oh, dude, don't, don't go there, right? So, right. <laughs> yeah, so I, so, so I came back out of it. It turned out to be an ugly situation to the point where I get a call from his agent, who I know very well. His agent was uh, 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 Gerald Colton. And, and he calls me, and he, he starts, uh, you know, firing up at me in a – I go, listen, man, I, I, it is what it is. I don't think he had to call in. I was legitimate criticism. I thought he overreacted to kicking the field goal where he rested his weary head in Donovan's bosom. Right? So, I mean, see, that, so that didn't win me any points. I don't know. It's funny because fans look at it like, oh, you're, you're attacking one of our players. I go, he's a kicker. He's not one of your players. He's just like a mercenary guy who gets you three and one every now and then. It's funny, though. Your, your commentary was just – spectacular like he, he got mike got in trouble one time because he made up a a scenario of jeffrey lurie and joe banner at summer camp yeah i got suspended <laughs> for that and i'll never forget i'm listening I, it was hysterical it was, was a like, scenario they, they went to the summer we, camp they, no, they you were going you, you oh, right we 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 and, and it dripped down through the bunk. And I, like I, yeah, I was stupid, and I said some stupid things. But they were camp buddies, and they used to brag about it. And I go, hey, right. these guys weren't. You know, they went to camp. It wasn't like an athletic camp or anything. It was just like you know. And I, mean, I was just trying to like like illustrate the See, preposterous. That's how we look at it, man. It wasn't a sports camp. No, it was like you know. Okay, oh, God bless him. You know, like he rose to whatever happened. Right. What, you know, shoot arrows or whatever you're doing. Right. Whatever happened uh, in, in their life to be making you successful, God, man, I, I salute. God bless you. But, like, you, you go to summer camp together, all of a sudden you parlay that into running the Eagles. I go, okay, well, that's fine, except let me make fun of it a little bit. That's all I tried to do. <laughs> right? All right. Now, so here's the last thing I want to talk about. Uh, I come in one day and I go, like, I had uh, been a master of the April Fool's joke I, when I was oh, younger. Oh, that was the greatest. Yeah. Now, when I worked with Steve Fredericks, I duped him into a, a, a April Fool's joke where they had shut Kurt Schilling trade. This is when I was friends with Kurt Schilling. I'm no longer friends with Kurt Schilling, but I had duped, I had duped, I had duped Steve and everybody else. In fact, Darren, our producer here, was the producer at the time. I said, listen, I want to do the shtick. So I called Schilling. I go, listen, I want to trade you, and it's April Fool's, and at the end we'll reveal it. And he goes, all right. I go, call in at a certain time, and uh, I, I, I made the trade sensible. I traded the Cleveland Indians for a return. And I go, Steve, I got this. I got this story. I'm working on it. It's going to come to fruition. And so I dangled him for a couple of hours. We were doing the show at Philly Rock, 
And finally, I go outside. I'm talking to Darren, our producer. I go, Darren, listen, I'm just out here. I'm just out here to fool Steve that I'm talking to a source, but I'm really talking to you. And I'm about to spring this maple fool's joke on myself. So, so I, that worked perfectly. Shilling calls in. He goes, I just want to thank the people in Philadelphia and blah, 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 blah. And at the end, we drag Steve all the way to the end. We go, and, and by the way, this trade never happened. April Fools. And Steve goes, you son of a bitch. You know, he was crazy about it. So, like, I, you can't do an April Fools joke every day because people are onto it. So I waited until I was with you years later. And I had the Phillies trading from Miguel Tejada. Now, I used yes. to do a pretty good Hispanic accent. So I go, listen, dude, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to, you break the news that they traded for Miguel Tejada and you got, you got Miguel on the line. And it was me outside doing Miguel Tejada voice. You, you, we had traded. Spanish. <laughs> you speak Spanish well. So you did, yeah. I, you, you completely sold it. It was awesome. <laughs> that was hysterical. So we had a blast on the show. And, uh, and then I, uh, I don't know, I went to that WMMR. football, cuz. We played electric football. I had an old electric football game <laughs> with my brothers. I brought it in, and we did it on a an innocuous day where we playoffs. That's right. We play. <laughs> we made one team electric football, which you had no idea. We turned the thing off. It's going. All right, we're doing play by play on electric football. We were. We were saying that this the outcome to it. We did it at McDonald's. On Street Road, and this we set up in the middle of McDonald's, and that this the winner of this electric football game was going to be the winners of the Eagles in Tampa, right? And and it was we played it out, and, um, and, and you couldn't do anything but run a T formation and tuck that little cotton ball in the arm of the of the ball yeah. carrier and just go off tackle and see how far you can go. Oh, let's go. Oh, he's he's headed for the sidelines. Oh, he breaks loose. He could score. (laughs) Yeah, it was classic. Uh, Listen, man, I I know you got a lot of stuff going. I I just want to, I want to reveal something to to the people because a couple of years ago, I thought, you know, I, I, I really have a lot of affection for the station that we used to work at, even though it didn't work out at the end and uh it, it was a shame and uh, there were a lot of people to blame for that but uh you know they were worried about my only goal when i came to 97.5 the fanatic was to beat wip i'm competitive that way and i was working in new york with Stephen a smith i go oh, here's a chance to come back and make a difference first of all the first guy having my target is Eskin. but then i want to make the station better than wip wp is tough to beat they're a legacy station that carry the sure. eagles into phillies it's really tough so that was my only goal and so i lured you in i thought that, that that was a byproduct of really uh making a difference so when we a couple years ago we started uh, you know it became evident that wip was just a monster i proposed to them that you and i do a five-hour show and i proposed that tyrone who was my producer do the midday show you and i would do five hours from one o'clock to six o'clock i thought really? it Oh, yes. I thought it was a great you know, idea. You, you know, you never told me this. Yeah, I know I never told you this. I went back, I went to them. I said, listen, if you want to really make a dent and save this station, here's here's the best strategy to do it. And I, I could not believe they weren't receptive to it. So I just wanted to tell you that. Whoa, that I you, yeah, you, yeah, so I really I thought like I, I was willing to, to sacrifice like whatever I was doing in the afternoon to make a really good show, to make the station viable as possible. And I thought that us doing it from one to six would have done that. And they were so not insightful that they didn't even blink at it. So I just wanted to tell you that. Did you take that seriously? No. And it's a shame. And I just wanted the people to know that, like, when you see the station now, um, I, I feel really... That's I feel upset about it. I, I got there on the ground floor of that station, and we worked to make it a really good station. And look at it. Look, the, uh, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm just. Listen, I, I said it on the air the other day because we did the uh, All Star Day, and you know, quite frankly, I started the show. I listen. Uh, it's not the same. I mean, I, I, you know, Mike built the station. I miss Mikey Miss, and you know, it feels empty without. Him. And I started the show that way because that's exactly how. I and, and you know, it didn't have to be that way. They, they like I. I know a lot of people don't know what's behind the scenes, and maybe one day I'll tell it. I don't know if there's any reason to tell it because it only looks like it. It's sour grapes for me. But uh, uh, I don't. 
I don't understand what their logic was in not wanting to offer me a contract. That's the only thing. Like I go, what, what, like what, what are you gaining by, by doing that? And it's a shame because I really have an affection for the station because I was there in the ground floor of it. And I want to see, I know you felt um, very connected to it. Very almost like it was a, a, you know, a, Something you created, which you did. I get it. They want to save money. They want to do that. I get it. The radio is different, and for all of us now, it's not the same. But yeah, I, uh, I, I have to tell you, I do miss, and you know, not just to you know, because we're going back in time, and and you know, we're being wistful. But it it was, you know, it, those WIP days were fun. They yeah, were, I, I got to be honest with you. Were, uh, you know what the, what the essence of this business is. You interact with people on an everyday basis, and that's the essence of it. And yeah. uh, and you feel, uh, you know, talking to people four hours a day, you're engaged with it, you get immediate feedback. And, and that's what I really miss about it. And I love this podcast. Like I could say anything I want here, and I, I've tried to open it up and, and, and make it really listenable to people and have great guests like yourself. Uh, but the, the, like during these exciting times, I really do miss the day-to-day interaction of callers. Yeah. That's what really yeah. uh, got us going and, and, yeah. and going back and forth with callers and point counterpoint and, and making an argument. That, that's what love, really I love of them. I mean, quite frankly, like I, you know, I'm a chat. I, I the radio. I always say this: that radio is a warm medium. Uh, writing, which is my first love, is cold. Right? I write. People mm-hmm. read. That's it. Radio, it's interactive. It's these conversations, whether it's us or with callers that we've talked to for years, dude. Like, you know, mm-hmm. who called, um, you know, like half the, you know, there's callers that call up and that have called you and I like 20 years ago. And, and think about that. I mean, 20 years ago, they were calling up and I, I'm still going, oh my God, and, you know. Love you, man. And this shit. You know I, mean? I know. And, yeah. and there are callers like yeah, I've lost track of a couple of people who used to Keith, call a lot. Keith of, from West uh, Oak Lane, man. Keith West Oak Lane's great. Uh, like, I don't know. Bob used to be a caller. I remember Bob, Southern Bob. I have a feeling that Bob passed away because I tried to text him and yeah. I didn't get a reply. But, you know, all, all the guys that have been with us for so long. Mine. Bernie, Bernie, yeah, Bernie, still, Bernie, hopefully is still hanging in there. And I, yeah. I miss the. I miss keeping up with those guys. They come become yeah. part of your life. And and I miss being able to look at you and put a cigar in my mouth and go, oh, well, I know about making a restaurant. Well, I don't know how to make a restaurant. I just heard, no, I sit down and order the meal. Yeah, I put the cigar in my mouth. And we would do Goodfellas. And, oh. and, the, and the greatest movie that we ever bonded with was The Public Honest Village, where we just throw lines at each other out of the blue. You know? The Gargusos never made a tough yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, the guy coming out of the OTB. Wait, what are you doing? I'm waiting. Wait for what? Wait for work. Listen, Charlie, I'm not gonna bullshit you. I'm damn, I'm damn, thirty five percent of my business. Hey, you, you creep, you, yeah, you know, like stuff like that. We're gonna be erasing Phoenix. All right, listen, man. I, I appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, uh, I can't, I, I can't, you, I can't thank you enough. I love you. Continue success. Keep, keep rocking it down there, man. And. uh uh, uh, you know, listen. We we it's been a long time since we got together, had a beer and a cigar. Yeah, we gotta so, do that. We gotta see the kids, man. The kids. Are like, yeah, I know. Man. It's amazing because uh, Anthony and I worked together. When you were childless, frankly, and, and all of a sudden, you if there's anybody that had should have had two boys, it's you. And and you and you're living now with two boys, and 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 the little Mass is a great baseball player. Little Anthony's a football player, and you're living life like. Right through them. That's a beautiful thing, and you're it's so inv- and you're so involved in their life, man. It's it's great. Oh and uh, Anthony, I want to be Anthony. Anthony, get over here. Come on, Dad. Come here for a second. Hurry up. I, I gotta go. Hey, up the mic. Up the mic. Come here, Dad. Is it, now that's the great indication because people, why are you calling your son's dad? They don't know in an Italian family. Fathers call their kids dad. Uh, you see it in casino. How many pancakes are you gonna have, Dad? Right when Pesci says to his kid, right? Casino. <laughs> I call my daughter's dad. Yeah, Come here, Dad. Go. Where you go, yeah, Dad? I don't know what, what it is. The Italian families, the Italian father say, yeah. "Say, Dad." <laughs> Where's Anthony? Where is he? Come on, Ed. Yo, Ed. What's up? Hi. What are you doing? You're welcome, Mike. Hi. I like the hair. I like the hair, brother. I like keep it like that. That's a good look. Thank you. All right, oh, brother. What you're wearing? Thirteen. Oh, Christ almighty, 13. Oh. 
Show me. Oh, so thirteen. How old are you, Ant, these days? Thirteen. You're thirteen with a wearing a thirteen sneaker. You're like Shaq, for Christ's sake. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, listen. Best of luck to you. That's a monster so, kid. So you tell me you're thirteen years old now. Who's <laughs> yeah. that from? Oh, that, that's from Midnight Run. Yeah. Are you? Are you? Oh, the line are, is. Uh, are, are you in the eighth uh, grade you're, now? You're in the eighth grade. Are you in the eighth grade now? <laughs> nah, nah, sweetheart, sweetheart, I can't, I can't, sweetheart, I can't, sweetheart, I can't, I can't, sweetheart. The greatest. Where's Master? Uh, Master. Oh, you got a little, little Master baseball player. Oh, I, still, I still want to get. I would still want to get that kid in the Mikey Lab. Master, that kid in the Mikey Lab baseball. Let's go. Yeah. Bring him over, with Mikey Lab. <laughs> Yo, Come here. Where's he at? <laughs> Oh, this is by me. far the best part of the podcast, easily. I just want you both to know that. This is fantastic. Come on, Moss. It's always better on filter. Go, Dad. <laughs> Yo, Dad. Let's go. I got a beautiful piece of meat over here. I got, by the way, <laughs> Look at this piece I, you know, of I'm meat. I'm coaching his basketball team. Uh-huh. Oh, you get basketball now? Yeah. So, yeah. Moss is, you know, so he thinks he's, he thinks he's Steph. Pull up three. Oh, really? Yeah, no, he's the and he's the point guard. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. <laughs> so he's taller than everybody, but I think of the point guard. <laughs> Come here, Dad. He plays the whole game, Dad. Listen, I need you to do this, man. That's <laughs> the best. That's the best. Anyway, uh, all right, love you guys, man. Love, love you too, man. Hey, yeah, right. take care, and uh, we'll talk. Thanks, brother. All right, that's the great Anthony Gargano joining us today. See, I, that's why I didn't want to do any other thing on this podcast except go straight into the interview. Uh, Darren, what do you think? How did that work out? That was absolutely, it was great. I laughed for I laughed for sixty minutes. The stories are great, and you know I mentioned this briefly, but you know that's why you two worked in radio because you got to share to have a partner in radio. There's two things you can't argue with malice, and you got to share a sense of humor. Yeah, and that's no you guys yeah, had that we, we had a lot of fun working together. All right, so that's the uh, that's the Mike Maselli podcast for today. Now Thursday we'll get deeper into the game. Obviously, you're playing the New York Giants. I I got to be honest with you. I'm talking to you on a Tuesday. I have no fear about this game whatsoever. Uh, there's no way the Giants nah, play no two, worries two no. good games in a row like they did. Uh, so uh, seven and a half point favorite the Eagles. I think win by double digits in this game. We'll talk about it. We'll analyze it. Uh, coming up Friday, we'll do the podcast Friday as we go right into the weekend as the Eagles play the Giants on a Saturday night game. And, of course, we'll do the uh, post-game show uh, as well, Seth Joyner and, and Derek Ed. So, everybody have a great rest of the night, great rest of the weekend. I hope you enjoyed this on the Mike Miscellany Podcast. You can subscribe for free. Just go to wherever you get your podcasts, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google. Subscribe for free. It'll come right to you. We do it twice a week. And we have a lot of fun. You can reach me on Twitter, MikeMiss25. Uh, you can email me, Mike, at MikeMiss.com. Check out my website, MikeMiss.com. I forget I got a winery called Natali Vineyards where you get some great wines. And we're going to we'll try to do a show there one of these days at Natali Vineyards. And uh, if you're interested in the children's book, uh, I, I think it's uh, – listen, I'm proud of the children's book. Uh, I know it's not a big selling book, but whatever is sold, 20% will go to animal shelters. I feel that deeply about it. And it's a, a children's book called uh, The Adventures of Shima and Sheba based on my dog and growing up as a dog, but really growing up as a kid and, and learning some lessons when you're a little kid. It's for kids that just learn to read or parents who can, uh, who can read to them and uh, read them a bedtime story as they go to sleep. So uh, everybody have, have a great uh, rest of the evening. Anything else, Darren? Do we forget anything? Are we good? Uh, now we're good. Paul Hembakitis, ESPN, will join us on yes, Friday. We'll, we'll have Hembo on Friday. The Hembo stats coming into this no. game, which normally Hembo's got to see. Listen, he's an Eagle fan. So the stats he's going to give you are going to favor the Eagles. You want to look forward to that on Friday when we do the pregame show on the Mike Miscelli podcast on Friday. Everybody have a great rest of the night. It's Mike Miss. Uh, have fun. I'm out. Thanks for listening to the Mike Miscelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.